Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Go ahead and turn to Luke 11. Luke 11. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the, oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to get Bibles to you. If you didn't bring a Bible, uh, please, uh, nice and high, hand in the air so that we can see you. We got a few people over here, and uh, we got some guys that are going to hand out Bibles. And I just want to say, if you don't own a physical Bible, this is yours. Take it home with you. Uh, that's yours to keep. Now, uh, we're going to be in the book of Luke. Luke is uh, one of the Gospels. Um, which is one of the stories of Jesus. If you want to know about Jesus, uh, there are four gospels, four stories about his life that give different perspectives and some even have different stories in them about uh, this, this man, Jesus. And uh, we're going to be in Luke, uh, Luke's gospel, and we're going to be in Luke 11. So go ahead and turn to Luke 11. Um, you know, I, I was gone this past week, and w- Whenever I'm gone, I, I always realize, you know what, you, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Well, when I, whenever I'm gone, I always just think about this family and I think about this church and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for your hunger, for your desire for God, for your willingness to wade into this faith journey with God. You guys understand that a faith journey is not always just up and to the right. It's up and it's down and it's sideways and it plateaus and then it goes up again and then down again. And it's this journey that God invites us into in his love and grace and says, never despise the stage you're in. Never despise it because I have something for you. And when we live with that level of grace, he develops in uh, in us a loving people. And uh, I consider uh, being a part of this church, let alone having any kind of leadership here, I consider being a part of it as one of my life's greatest uh, honors. Um, So thank you. I love you guys. We have an incredible amount of scripture to get to today, and I didn't intend for it to all be in one week, but with the ice a couple weeks ago, things got a bit jumbled in our teaching schedule, so uh, we have a lot of scripture. So let's stand for the reading of Holy Scripture, Luke 11, verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and grab a seat. You 
It was about a year and a half ago that I had this uh, kind of life-altering realization. Have you ever had a realization where all of a sudden everything makes sense? All the things that you've been questioning and wondering about click, and you got that last piece that seems to make it all click together, and you go, whoa. <laughs> See, I had this realization that I have this ability to project an image of what I want people to think about me when they think about me. <laughs> I had this ability to curate how I wanted to be perceived by strangers, by friends, by family. The clothes that I wore, the taste that I had, the words that I used, the actions that I did, all could be curated and shaped into who I wanted Alex to be. That is called Project Self. But I had this realization about a year and a half ago that my children, I have two kids, I have a three and a half year old, uh, almost four year old actually, and a one year old. And I realized that my kids would not get my projected image. They would not buy it. Because they would be around enough in my life to get my real image. And my real image would be given to my children as the context for which they were raised. For better, and this is what scared me, or for worse. And I got to be honest with you, it scared me. I got, I got afraid because I looked into my, into my real self, not the projected self, not the self that a lot of you guys even see when I'm up here, but I looked into my real self and I didn't like what I got, what I saw. I was irritable. I was short with my wife. I was angry. I always used money for me. I wasn't generous. And I thought, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get a dad who projects this image on a stage and then who goes home and is stingy with all parts of his life. You know, kids are like a tuning fork. And it's either you get in tune or you will get wrecked. Seriously. My internal world, who I really was, was just out of tune with who Jesus made me to be, and I realized it. See, Jesus is completely obsessed with who you really are. And because of that, he is deeply concerned with your internal world. So we have three passages. We just read one of them. But we have three passages in front of us today. And all through these three passages runs the single idea, the wisdom of prioritizing your internal world. The wisdom of prioritizing what's on the inside. Now, to get to this wisdom, I need to lay a little bit of a foundation. And I want to say this. Here's the foundation. Jesus is after one thing in your life. If you wonder, if you're a young person, you wonder, what is God's will for my life? What's his purpose for me? Jesus is after one thing. From young to old, he is after love. He wants to connect you to his love so that you become love. That's his goal. He has one goal in your life. He wants to connect you to his love so that you become love. So all of Jesus' teaching, all the things we read about in the Gospels, is aimed at helping you find anything in your life that is keeping you from receiving his love and becoming love. 
If you just want to know, like, what is Jesus about? Here's his, his singular message. I need to find out what is keeping you from receiving all the love that I have for you. Are you disqualifying yourself from it because of this, this, and this? I need to find it out so that you can then become love. You must become love. Because whatever keeps you from becoming love is a place that hasn't been loved. Did you get that? Whatever keeps you from becoming love is a place in you where you haven't received love. That is why shame will never make you more loving. You can't hear a message on love and think, I should really be more loving. You will not be more loving after that. You must find where is it in me that has yet to receive love because that is where I will then begin to produce love. There is a fear, an ache, a pain, something inside you that the, lo- that, that the love of God needs to touch. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I, wanna, I want you to imagine that you're on a hike. It's a crystal clear day like it is today. The sun is out. And you're on a hike at the abbey. And at the abbey, you're, going, you're walking along the trails, and Jesus happens to be on this hike with you, and he's up just a couple yards ahead of you. And here's what he does. He points at something off the trail, and he says, look at that. Look at this. That is what Jesus is going to do with us this morning. He is going to take us on a journey through these passages, on a hike through these passages, and he's going to say, would you look at this? This is where you must receive my love. See, in this uh, first passage that we have, we get this metaphor, and it's the metaphor of the eye. It's not about a physical eye, um, but it's about your perception, the way that you see the world. Now, I've actually, I went back, um, I'm working on something with this passage, and I've been compiling uh, my sermons that I've given on this passage, and I've given five sermons in the past year on this passage alone. So I'm not going to go too in-depth on it this morning, but I want you to see this one thing. There is this dual thing that is happening with your perception, Jesus says. He says this, your perception of the world around you will create a world inside you. Does that make sense? Your perception of the way that the world works will create a world inside of you. Just to give you a little bit of an example, I remember uh, when I graduated college, I moved to Portland, and I remember driving around Portland one day, um, going to the office that I worked in, and I was driving past these uh, high-rise buildings, and it seemed like every other car was like a Maserati or like a BMW, and I'm in my like, you know, not so nice uh, 1998 Subaru Outback, and uh, and I and I remember I had this thought come through my mind, and here was the thought: the thought was this: if you don't look out for yourself, who will? The way that I perceived the world, if I don't look out for myself, who will? And you know what that created in me? A lack of trust that I had to undo years later. But your perception of the world will create a world inside of you. And then, here's the other thing that he's saying, because this is what a lamp does. A lamp also projects. Then that internal world that's been developed inside of you through your perception will be projected back on the world around you. See, here's the truth. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Do you understand that? See, you think that you see everything clearly. You think you see that the, the it's always that other person's fault when in the relationship breaks down or it's, it's because of this or it's because of that. It's like you don't see things as, as they are. You see things as you are. And then how you see 
<laughs> you see, it's a loop. It builds a world inside you. Do you see that? So here's what I'm getting at. Your reality is a combination of the actual world around you, the people, the places, the things, but also it's a combination with your perception of it. Humans are in the world-making business. We're constantly making a world with what we're given around us and then our perception of it. And in the same way that a lamp casts its light, when we build that world internally, that world that's on the inside is going to be exposed on the outside in the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we uh, engage in things, or the way that we neglect. Now, most of us are comfortable with saying things like, um, you know, I see things this way because that's just been my experience. Have you heard people say that? Or maybe they'll say, well, as a cis white male, uh, my perspective is this. Or as a, you know, a a trans uh, black female, I see things this way. Jesus actually makes the claim that there is a right way to see and there is a wrong way to see. That not all perception is equal. And the key to that, to understanding this, is this word, healthy eye. See, likely, uh, when you look down at your Bible, it says this in verse 34, that your eye is the lamp of the body, and when your eyes are healthy, there should be like a little letter or a number next to that word healthy, and it's going to give you a footnote. Go down to the footnote, and it says right here in my footnote, the Greek for healthy here implies generous. Isn't that interesting? So, When your eyes are generous, they're healthy. Now, there should be another word for when your eyes are unhealthy. So go, so you, there's a footnote. Go down to the bottom. It says the Greek for unhealthy here implies stingy. Stingy. So think about this in context. Let's read it with this new wording in verse 34. So your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are generous, your whole body is full of light. But when they are stingy, your body also is full of darkness. See, you may have your lived experience. You may have your opinions. You may think that you understand other people and the way that the world works, but Jesus says there are only two categories of all perception, and those are generous or stingy. Doesn't matter what your background was, what your raising was like, the advantages, your disadvantages you had in this life, there are two types of perception, either generous perception or stingy perception. And if you're generous perception, you're going to be full of light. And if you have a stingy perception, you'll be full of darkness. So here's what he's saying. If your eye is generous, if you're merciful to other people, if you're understanding, if you're quick to extend uh, grace, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is stingy, never extending grace, Never extending mercy if you spend all your time seeing through people. Do you know, you know how that, that feels sometimes as a young person? You're, you're actually supposed to go through a stage in life where you see through things, but so that you can see the solid thing that's beyond all of it. But you know that, 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 that cynical way of living, of, I see through them. They say that, but that's not really true. Maybe you're even doing that right now with me. You're like, I know what a pastor it really is. He's saying all this stuff, I see through it. Look, it's a stingy eye and your internal world will be full of darkness. What Jesus is saying is, look, whatever you've developed with your perception is going to come out of you. And some of us, we impact many people in the world with our perception and what comes out of us. And others of us, we impact just a few people. But either way, 
the authority of being made in the image of God means that you're a world maker. You will make a world for somebody else to live in based upon how you perceive the world around you. And the only question that you get to answer is this. Is it going to be a generous world or is it going to be a stingy world? Now, our second passage of the day, verse 37. When Jesus had finished uh, speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not wash before the meal. He's not playing by the rules. Verse 39, then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you were full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you were like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts of the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus is like, well, uh, let me insult you directly then. Jesus replied, You experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you built their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Now, what Jesus is doing with this story is he's illustrating what he's just been talking about. He's been talking about this generous or stingy eye, and then we get a story about people with some pretty stingy eyes and what their perception of the world has created for the people around them to live in. People are trying to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and you're keep, you haven't entered, and you're keeping them from entering it. Stinge. And there's so much here, but for our purposes this morning, I want you to see one thing. Notice that this is the best way to tell if you have a generous or stingy perception. Have you prioritized your exterior world over your interior world? You want to know if you have a stingy eye? Do you care more about how you're perceived than who you really are? Because what does he say? He says, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. He says, you give God a tenth of your mint. You are going to your gardens and you are tithing 
your herbs, but you neglect the justice and the love of God. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. It's all how you appear. See, in each of these, each of these woes, Jesus is saying you've made important the exterior world and neglected your interior world. See, you appear like a clean cup, but you're full of greed. You seem like you give and are generous, but you're not generous to the poor. You're like a hidden grave. You know, in Matthew, uh, Matthew's account of this moment, he, uh, Jesus says, you're whitewashed tombs. In other words, you appear beautiful, but people get unclean just by being around you, just by walking past you. You project beauty, but you hide. It's, it's all to hide who you really are. And that is how you know if you have a generous or a stingy eye. <laughs> Which is more important to you, the perception of others or the reality of your own soul? Now, here is where uh, Jesus gets to the core. Okay, one more passage. Here's where he gets to the core. So Luke 12, verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear of the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This line, you know, from these passages has been kind of banging around in my head for the past month. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Guys, life has this ability of exposing us, doesn't it? It has this ability of the pressure getting turned up and whatever you've developed inside of you coming outside of you. You know, from the catastrophic failures in public, be it through politicians or pastors, the sex scandals, the use of campaign or church resources, uh, to the more universal that many of us all experience of the cancer diagnosis or the rejection of that person or the loss that you experience or the debt. When the pressure comes, whatever we have spent time cultivating inside will be forced to the surface. See, Jesus uses this metaphor of yeast. Now, what is yeast? I, I'm not a baker. Emily does most of the baking in, uh, in our family. But from what I understand, yeast are like these tiny little bits. Yeah, tiny little bits that you, you put, you work into dough, and they disappear. And you don't see them. Until what? Until it gets hot. And when it gets hot, you see what was inside the dough. See the metaphor? Exposure is coming. And we will all see what sort of eye you have, stingy or generous.
So the climax of these three passages, uh, there are two, in the climax of these three passages, there are two lessons, the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of God. With the yeast of the Pharisees, you know, Jesus says this. He says, the yeast of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. It's this exterior world prioritized. Now, I was thinking about it, and I realized nobody sets out to be a hypocrite. No, like you, there's no nine-year-old that when you ask them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? That they look mistily up and to the right, and they say, when I grow up, I want to lie to people. And I want to put on a mask, and I want to put up a front to manipulate those around me so that I get the material I want, but I feel increasingly unlovable. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. So, why? Why have the Pharisees emphasized everything on the outside and neglected the inside? Why do they wear masks? Why do they hide? Well, I could make you work for it, but we're already uh, running late. So I'm just going to tell you. Here's the reason. God doesn't see me. People see me. God doesn't see me. People see me. Do you hear the hurt? Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. But if you believe that God doesn't see you and that people see you, then you will hide. And you will put on a mask so that you can get loved. Because you believe the world is a stingy place. God doesn't see me. He doesn't care. That is the yeast of the Pharisees. You know, in Matthew uh, chapter 23, Jesus says this about the Pharisees. Everything they do is done for people to see. Have you ever lived like that? And I want to say that is, the, that is the core of idolatry. That is at the center of idolatry. Remember this. Wherever your fear is, your worship is close by. So if you're afraid of what people think, of what your dad would say, what your mom would say, of how you're going to appear to your high school classmates when you visit the reunion, you will sacrifice and work, and you will rise early, and you will grind to make them think about you in a specific way. And it's idolatry. You are worshiping creation over the creator. And it's the result of a world of lack. You looked at the world and you perceived that there's lack, that you must compete, that you, you, you should be special. It's lack. See, a world without the gaze of God, if God doesn't see me, the world without the gaze of God is a world of lack. It's a world without. And that will create, that perception will create an internal world. I lack. I need. It's so dark. And then that world will be projected onto the people around you and you will give that stinge away because there's only so much love to go around, only so much attention to go around, only so much approval. And you will look for in people what you should have found in God. And it will be impossible to love 
because you will be needing to manipulate people instead, and you can't manipulate somebody that you're loving. God doesn't see me. People see me. It is the unresolved, wounded heart that puts on the mask in order to be loved. So Jesus says in this passage that God has his own yeast for that problem. It's the yeast of God. Look back down at your Bibles, verse 4. My friends, oh, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Now get this. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. In other words, God is keeping track of every small animal on the planet. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You know, it's an interesting passage because Jesus, he says to us, you need to hold two realities at one time. Fear him who has the ability to throw you into hell. Let's not water down Jesus' teaching. Fear him who has the ability to throw you into hell. It doesn't say he will or that that's what he does, but he could. Fear him who has the ability to throw you into hell. Now, here's the other idea that you must hold at the same time. Don't be afraid. He knows the number of hairs on your head, whatever number that may be. (laughs) Do you see what he's saying? God sees you. God sees birds being sold in marketplaces. He sees you. He's watching your life. He cares about you. He's he's thought about you so much, he's numbered the hairs. So care about yourself the way that God cares about you. Think about it. Why does somebody wear a mask to hide? Why hide? Because they believe there is no light that can conquer this darkness. I live in an ungenerous world. The darkness within me is greater than whatever, if there is a God, whatever he could offer me. And the genius of Jesus is that the answer to a stingy eye, to unhealth, to a dark internal world, is the worth God gives you with his attention. He's paying attention to you. In a world, it's in a word, it's love. It's love. Do you see it? You don't have to hide. He knows every hair. You're the most prized possession. You know, this world can speak lack and it can speak absence and it can speak stinge, but look around, I'm everywhere. That's what he's saying. See, Jesus says this, he says, fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. But here's the love. 
Jesus says, I would rather go to hell than throw you there. And that's what he did. Do you see that kind of love? Do you see that kind of care? And what I'm saying, guys, is that if you really see it, if you really take it in, and if you put it deep into your inner world, it will be yeast as well that will expand into generosity and expand into love when the heat of life gets turned up. Jesus says, let me become a part of your internal world. Let me heal your eye. Let me put my love in you. I see you. Let me give you a generous perception. So how? To end, how do you do it? You have to build a secret life on love. You have to build a secret life on love. There's this theme that runs through the whole Bible. In fact, Jesus tells a parable about it. He says there's two houses, and the houses look exactly the same. One house is is, uh, built on a rock, and the other one is built on the sand. See, on the surface, they look totally the same. The only difference is what is in the unseen place, in the secret place. Or think of this passage about God's judgment on believers, actually, in the age to come in 1 Corinthians. Here's what Paul says. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will, will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. This should be very sobering to all believers. But I want to I bring your attention to something. Notice the building materials. What are the materials listed that you could build a life with? There's wood, there's hay, there's straw. And those things are in contrast to these other things. Silver, gold, costly stones. Now, what is the difference between those two categories? Now, pay attention. Here's the difference. Some are things that are above ground that everybody can see. Wood, hay, straw. Easy to find, easy to get. And those are the things that will be burned But the other materials are beneath the ground. Silver, gold, costly stones, things you have to dig for in the unseen place. The more visible, the more it's going to burn. The less visible, the more it's going to remain. God, would you teach us that? Would you teach our church that? The more visible, there's so many um, well-intentioned Christians, the whole thing they are building in their life is to be seen. The more visible, the more it burns. The less visible, the more it remains. Guys, God has love for you. He's got costly stones. He's got gold and silver for you to find. 
but you must make the choice to build your life on those things in the secret place. In Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says, Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. And where is the Father? He's in the secret place. Guys, there is a place that is secret that is specifically designed to strengthen you in love, specifically designed to give you a generous eye, but only if you go there. So I want to get practical. Guys, you need a time each day that can't be violated by your phone or someone else's schedule or even by your children where you can expose yourself to this surplus. You can expose yourself to God's love. You need it. And I want to challenge you. I've been recapturing this. I've let it go in my life, to be honest. I've had gone days and weeks of not reading my Bible in the morning, not praying, not having a time where I go to get filled and then wondered why I see the world with such stinge. It's like, so I've been in the past month recapturing this practice and this discipline of waking up before my kids or right, giving them Cheerios in their room and shutting their door so that I can get like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, if I'm lucky, an hour to just get loved, to just feel that I know every hair. And you need it. It's what you were made for. You need a place where you receive the gaze of God. And suddenly, and you'll find this, your eye begins to change and your heart begins to change. And you will be so full of light that you will become a light to the world. You will become love. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.